Just think about 2019. What took place in your life? Was there some major events? Was it a hard year? Was it an easy year? Just How would you describe that? Just think of a few words as we go through this message. How would you describe 2019? All right. Now, as you think about that, would you say busy? It was busy for me. Was it a difficult year? Would you say it was a difficult year? I hope that's not your single definition, but it could be. Maybe you could say it was a relaxing year, right? Maybe someone would say it was a blessed year. I was just abundantly blessed last year. Or maybe if you continue to think about it, maybe you say last year was just full of trials. I don't know. Maybe you could say it was a very purposeful year. I don't know. How would you describe 2019? Think about that. Now, as you think about how you described last year, I want you to also think that in this description, I want you to include the results of last year, of what you were a part of, and the results of what God did in 2019 that you were able to be a part of or a witness to. So as you think about that, I want you to also think ahead. Let's look ahead now. Let's look to 2020. What should be the result of our lives in 2020? What should be our purpose, our goals, our attitude in 2020? You know, think about just a few words. Describe that. A New Year's resolution. I don't think they're bad. Think about what is your New Year's resolution for 2020? Think about that. Now, as we all think about that during the next half hour, as think about what your just a simple New Year's resolution. And I'm not talking about losing five pounds or going to the gym every other week or tithing every Sunday or going to church every Sunday or reading your Bible every day. Now, that's a great New Year's resolutions, right? They're all great. But I want you to think a little more spiritually minded what your resolution for 2020 will be. And as you think about that, let's see what... If we think about our purpose in 2020, let's get into God's Word and see what our purpose, according to Paul in Ephesians, should be. So to, everyone got your Bibles open up, up to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> I have never taught the same message in one day to so many of the same people. What a privilege. <laughs> many of you don't know, but most every half the people here were at the morning service. So amazing. So you're going to see two different ones. I'll try to keep it, throw something in here and there. I don't know. See what the Holy Spirit will do, hopefully. So everyone in Ephesians chapter 1. All right. Let's read verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So we start there, right there in the first verse, and we learn right away, we learn who, who wrote the letter, right? Do you see who wrote it there? We also see who this letter is written to. Do you see it in there? Now, I could take this verse 1. I'm going to tell you, I could take this verse 1, and I could teach an entire message just on this verse 1. I could expound on it, but today, we'll save that kind of teaching for a Bible study. Today, I want to get through some scriptures, but I couldn't just leave it alone a little bit. I want to notice three different points as we look at just this first verse. First point I want you to look at. Who chose Paul to be an apostle? You see it there in the verse 1? Who chose Paul? Was it the church? Was it the board of directors? 
It was God. You know, so often, as we look at different callings in our lives and different things, we all so often look to man to affirm a calling. Now, a calling, a purpose, an anointing like this, it comes from God, and it comes from the will of God. Now, it's true that people are called by the will of God, but they're also equipped by God to fulfill that calling that God has placed on their lives. Now, it's true men and women in the church body can help affirm a calling. They can see that calling from God in their lives. But the actual calling comes from the Lord. So Paul is called by the Lord. And that's important for all of us to remember. Whatever you're doing, if it's a teacher, if it's a pastor, if it's children's ministry, if it's a coordinator, you know, this calling, I hope, would be from God, not from man. And he will equip you to do that work. Because, you know, what's the saying? God calls, say, anyone know it? Anyone know it? God equips the called. You could say it that way. So, all right. The second point you see in this I wanted to look at is that the people in this verse 1, do you see how they're referred to? What word is used? Holy. The people referred to holy. Now, this letter, as we look at it, is written to the Ephesians. We know that. But also, you really you can, cannot mistake that this letter is written to God's holy people. That includes all of us today sitting here. All the church. That includes every single person here. So as we get into this, we need to remember this letter is written to us today. God's holy people. Yeah, I said holy people. Do you see yourself as holy? Do you know that you are holy? This is an important foundational truth that we as Christians need to grasp. Because if we recognize who we are in God, in through Christ, we are holy. I'll tell you, if you will recognize that and walk in that, I believe many things in many of our lives would change if we would truly grasp that foundational truth of who we are in Christ. In God's eyes, we are holy. Do we go out in the world and view ourselves that way, that see our actions as we do different things and realize who we are in Christ? I think our actions would change as we go about our lives if we would just really recognize that. Now, the next thing I see there is grace. Third point, do you see who it's written to? Who is this letter written to? Is it written to the followers of Jesus Christ? Look at your translations. First one, who is it written to? The faithful followers. Let's fix that, right? It is written to the faithful followers, right? There is a difference. I think that uh, sometimes we misunderstand. When we commit our Lord, our lives to following Jesus, we must know that it's true there is the point where we make that commitment. But it's more than that. It's faithfulness each and every day to wake up and say, Lord, I surrender to you today. I will be faithful in following you today. It's, this is a continual process for all of us that we must be faithful in following Jesus. It's not a one-time commitment and we're just done. This is something renewed each day for each of us as we wake up. And, you know, I'll tell you, sometimes for me, is I might have to do it ten times during the day. Say, Lord... I'm going to choose to follow you instead of my old sinful nature. I'm going to choose to do what your word says instead of what my flesh would desire. So we need to be faithful in following Jesus. And I think if we will do that, again, this is, there's so much just right here in this, this first verse teaching us here. Faithful followers, it's lying, your, lying down your life as a living sacrifice each day. That's being a faithful servant of Jesus. So again, I could keep preaching on these three points in this first verse. 
But let's continue. Let's continue in verse 2, and let's learn a little bit about Paul's intent on writing this letter to God's holy people, which is you and I. Look at verse 2. May God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So we're starting to see the initial intention or Paul's heart in writing the letter. He wants us to have grace and peace. He wants each one of us, everyone here to, in our lives, to have grace and peace. Now, we've all heard grace and peace, right? Everyone's familiar with them terms. Well, I'll tell you, I think that we need to, to understand Paul and what he wishes for us in writing this letter. I think we should just look at these two words just for a minute. Look at the word grace. What does it mean exactly? One definition says it means favor, blessing, or kindness. In this context, it is God choosing to bless us, you also, rather than curse us as our sin would deserve. It's us receiving something that we didn't deserve. It's a simplified version. Peace. We've heard this word so many times, right? It's a very common word. What does it mean here spiritually? What What does the word mean in the Bible? Peace. It's a tranquility, a harmony, or security. The tranquil state of our soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, so resulting in having no fear from God, because we know who he is and who we are in him. Now, I I looked at a quote, and it's it's from Chuck Smith, and I want to read it to you, and I found it interesting as I read this. He said, have you noticed that grace and peace are always in that order? It's not peace and grace, but it's grace and peace. For you cannot know peace of God until you first experience the grace of God. And I think that's an amazing statement. When he read that, it just kind of punched me. I'm like, that's amazing. That's why I want to include that and share that with you. So we've learned a lot already in these first two verses. We learned who the letter is from. We learned who is written to us, right, and all the other people. We also start to see Paul's intention or his heart in writing the letter. It's for all of us to have grace and peace in our Lord Jesus Christ which we also learned that we are God's holy people. Now, some questions as we, back to the 2020. Questions for you as you look forward to this next year, this next decade. I've asked this, and I want to ask you if you've ever asked this, because I've struggled with this in the past. This is something I have struggled with, even here in Myanmar and in my personal life before. Have you ever wondered your purpose here on earth? Have you ever examined your life and say, what is the reason for me being here? What am I doing? What is my calling? What am I doing here, Lord? Or maybe you could word it a different way, and I've worded it this way also, is that you see all the things going on in your life and all the things that you're doing, and then you go, Lord, is this what I'm doing here? Is this your will? Am I truly walking in your will today? Is this what you would have for me in my life, in my family's life? Maybe you've asked some of them questions. Am I living according to God's will and what he would have me purposed for? Now, I'll even say this. I've questioned this, and this is a little personal maybe, but I've even asked God maybe why. I see different giftings in the Bible. I see other people that have different gifting. I see an amazing gifting of Chelsea able to lead worship today, right? And I, we all know I can't sing. Nobody will deny that, right? But I see that, I'm like, well, God, why, why can't I have that gift? You ever said that? I have. I've seen other people's giftings and say, Lord, why can't I have that gifting? I wish I could sing. 
I can't. It's very apparent. But I've also seen giftings in the Bible, and I've prayed for them, and even seen spiritual blessings and gifts, and it talks about them in there. And I'm like, Lord, I, I would like to have that. Why don't I have that? And as we look to a new year, I thought about these questions, and how, how would I answer it, or how should we answer questions like this? Like, what is your will for me, Lord? What giftings or blessings have you given me? What would you have me do, Lord? Am I walking in your will? They're difficult questions sometimes. Now, I, I think as I read through this and I studied this, I can really answer this kind of simply. But I want to save that for the end of the message, for the closing of the message. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your New Year's resolution. And I want you to think about how you can know if you're walking in God's will each and every day. Now, let's keep going. And we're going to look at the gifts now a little bit. So we're going to look at verse 3. And we're going to see the, start the gifts that are, Paul is going to talk about. Verse 3 in Ephesians. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. As we begin this, we first learn some important lessons, right? What lessons do you see right, right away? We see, first I believe, that all praise is to be given to God. Do you see that in that verse? United all praise. Right first words, all praise to God. And so Paul is he's starting this letter by thanking God. Thanking God for spiritual blessings. Now, as you continue and you look at that text, though, Paul, he's pretty clear. He wants to make sure that everyone understands who God is. This capital G God. Right? He wants to make sure you understand that who he's referring to. And it says... When he says this, he says he's defining God here, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he defines who God is. But Paul doesn't really stop there. He further clarifies what we are to receive as followers of Jesus. What are we to receive? What do you see there? Who has blessed us with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Just think about that. As you think about that, flip the page to the right. We're going to look at Ephesians 1.19 through 20. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Paul is trying to explain to us to try to for us to help have a better understanding of the greatness of these spiritual blessings that have been given to us already already given to us so turn back to ephesians 1 3 because we can see paul he's going to continue to teach just right in this first this this third verse he says we have received these blessings we are united with christ that's how we receive these blessings Now, look at verse 3. We're going to stay just camped right there in that verse for a little bit. Do you see, look there closely, I see six different truths right in the verse 3. You see six different truths. The first one I see, first, Aaron, there you go. What is our purpose? Do you see that in verse 3? What do you see? What's your purpose? Do you see the answer in verse 3? Who is God? We see God defined here right in verse 3. We see what God has done. Do you see that in verse 3? He's gifted us, right? 
Now, he also goes and he says, where do these blessings come from? He's very clear there, right in verse 3. How? The question is, how are we blessed? That's always a big question, right? He answers that question. We are united in Christ. You know, the other thing he gets into is, why? Why are each one of us blessed? Right there, the first part, all praise to God. That's why we're blessed. Six different things I saw right in that verse 3. I just found that amazing how you can just... You know, the way I explained it earlier, I look at that verse 3, and there's so much there. It's like an apple, a great big apple, right? You see it, it's beautiful. But there's, if you just try to shove that whole apple in your mouth, you'd choke, right? But if we take it and we cut it into little pieces, we break it apart, you can take that apple bite by bite and truly enjoy its nourishment, and it will nourish us, it will taste wonderful. And I think this verse is kind of the same way. We've got to break it into some pieces. We broke it into six pieces, and see these truths that we can take and we can digest and we can stand as foundational truths, which I see in this one verse. So let's, let's look at, we're going to continue in these six points. We're going to break each one down. So the first point I said was, what's our purpose? That's a, that's a big question, right, for most people? What is your purpose in life? It says here, to glorify God. So what does that look like? How do we praise or how do we glorify God in our lives? What does it look like as we walk through this world as a Christian? What should that look like to glorify and praise God? I don't have an absolute answer for you on that. But I can tell you this, that should be our goal, is to glorify and praise God in every single thing we do. And so, the second point, we, we talked about who is God. You see that? Do we have a correct understanding of who God is? And is not. You know, Paul makes it very clear who God is. He says, God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I'm going through these points, I shared earlier too, is I'm going through a lot of information. We're just going to touch on each point, kind of, and then move on. You could, as we get into this, each point we're going to get into, you could teach an entire sermon on each one. But that's not my goal today. But just remember, if you have questions as we go on, please see somebody afterwards and talk to them if you have questions. As we talk about who is God or what it is to walk as a Christian or what your purpose is, please ask someone later. Third point, what has God done? Do you see it in the verse? God has blessed you. Have you received these spiritual blessings in your life? Because God has already given them to you. It's, we just need to receive them. If so, what are the spiritual blessings in your life? The fourth point we saw, where do these blessings come from? I tell you one thing I noticed right away. He didn't say physical blessings. He said spiritual blessings. And also to remember that the source of these blessings are from God, not our own works or anything that we could do to earn these blessings. These are spiritual blessings. We looked at how are you blessed? We are blessed with all, big capital words, all the spiritual blessings. Why are we blessed? Again, all blessings are given so God may be glorified. We cannot forget that. As we continue in this, I believe the purpose of this letter is that the followers of Jesus would remember and know their purpose in life, which is to give praise to God or glory to God, who has blessed us all with every spiritual blessing. So we're going to continue. Now, Paul is really going to identify these gifts or these blessings that we are praising him 
praising God for. So let's see in verse 4 how God loves us and chose us. Look at verse 4 in Ephesians 1, 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Believers, that's everyone that's here, I hope, you know we are chosen by God. There's nothing that we have done that could have convinced him to choose us. He strictly chose us out of love before the creation of the earth. Just think about that. It's such a big statement. Look, at, We're going to turn real quick to 1 Peter because I just want to expound on that a little bit more. 1 Peter 1.20 God chose you as God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in the last days he has revealed, he's been revealed for your sake. He's talking about Jesus here. Now think about this first item that Paul is mentioning. He's starting this list list of giftings or blessings, right? The first thing he starts with is, what, how do you say it? God loved us and chose us. That's the first thing he starts with. Remember who Paul was, right? The persecutor of Christians. Remember that, that day that Jesus revealed himself to him on that road. When Jesus revealed himself to Paul, it was some of Paul's darkest moments, probably. He was on his way to persecute and kill Christians. Yet, Jesus Christ reached out to him in love, revealing to him that he had chose him before the earth was formed. Think about that. Some people would ask, why would God choose me? Why? Would, why? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know my thoughts? Why would God choose me? Or maybe some others would say, God should choose me because you know what I've done. That could be the opposite of that, right? Look at all the works I've done. God chose each and every one of us in love. His love. It's not, it's, and these reasons, it's not, it's because of the reasons of his sovereign nature of who he is. It's nothing to do with what we have done or have not done. Is why if God has chose you. It is love. So the question is, if you have been chosen in love, when have you accepted Jesus? When have you accepted that he has chose you to become one of his children? He has chosen you to become holy. Without fault in his eyes, as the verse says. This being chosen is surely a wonderful reason to praise and glorify God, isn't it? The blessings continue. It doesn't stop there. This was just the first one Paul starts with. The next one we're going to read in verse 5, being adopted into God's family. Let's read that blessing in verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. The Father's will for us is to be adopted into his family becoming his children, becoming sons and daughters of his family. How does this take place? This takes place, it's not a normal adoption. This adoption is by a new birth. We need to be clear on that. Once we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are then born again. When we are born again, we are then born into the family of God. Then taking place taking our inheritance that he has for us. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 15. 
through 17. So, you have not accepted a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins us with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. This relationship that's spoken of here, this is what God seeks for each and every one of us. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us to be part of his family. This and It continues, so it doesn't end with just he wants that. You can see in that verse, it gives him great pleasure to bring us into his family. Let's read verse 6, and we're going to learn a little bit about grace. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Again, I'm just going to touch on these subjects. I'm just touching on grace. I'm just touching on adoption. But grace, we are accepted by God through Jesus by grace. Now, if you look at that verse, look at it again. You see a lot of description, like descriptive words in that verse. You see some descriptive words. We got a lot of English teachers here. I noticed some descriptive words. I, I saw that it was it wasn't just grace, was it? It was glorious grace. Now we we learned grace earlier that it means favor, blessing, or kindness. And in this context, it's really referring that God is choosing to bless us rather than curse us for our sins, us receiving something that we didn't deserve. What about glorious grace, though? Is that different? Glorious grace. I looked up glorious just to see, maybe get an idea. It says a splendor, an excellent, a preeminence, a dignity, grace, majesty, a thing belonging to God. This is special, but he doesn't, he doesn't just end there, right? What does he say about this grace? What does he say about this glorious grace? Do you see another descriptive word? I see poured out. I think that's an amazing word. When you think about God's glorious grace, it is poured out. We don't just receive it. It is poured out upon us. Think about that. I, mean, just, I, I think of the jug and just filling up the water and it just overflowing over and over. And so it doesn't just fill us. You think about just pouring it and it just covers us as it overflows us. Just think of that visual picture. I just thought it was absolutely beautiful to think of God's glorious grace being poured into us and poured out onto us. I think it's an amazing picture that we can see. I'd like to take a minute and look at this in Romans chapter 3. Just back a few pages. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. It's just amazing. I just, these gifts. Let's turn back to Ephesians. We're going to read chapter, verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. This is redemption, right? It's forgiveness that we're receiving here, that he's speaking of. And we, again, we receive this gift and we are to give God the glory. We are to praise God that through Jesus Christ, our sins in God's eyes have been erased. Think about that. 
We are delivered from the penalty of our sins through Christ Jesus paying that price for our sin on the cross. Turn a couple pages to the right to Colossians 1.16. Colossians 1.16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made the things we can't see, we can see, sorry, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and the authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is the first in everything. For God, in all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow, we can sure give praise there, can't we, for that? The reasons to praise God is going to continue. Paul is going to continue to give us examples of things we should glorify the Lord for. Look at verses 8 through 10. He showered, this back in Ephesians, he showered his kindness upon us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed his to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. So what is this wisdom, and what is God's plan that he's speaking of? It's Jesus. It's that Christ in us is our hope of eternal life. That's the plan that he's speaking of. This plan of, this plan of Christ Jesus, which leads us to eternal salvation through Jesus. God has revealed this to us now, and we know. We know how this will work out. We know that we are secure in eternity through Jesus Christ. We know the plan. Look at it. verses 11 and 12. And we're going to learn how we're united with Christ. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that the Jews, who were first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. God has made... And given us an inheritance. We've heard this before. Again, we need to praise and glorify God for these spiritual blessings. Turn to the right to First Peter three and four. Anybody there? First Peter three and four. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we now live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. In Christ, we are given a priceless, priceless inheritance. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but we saw the first verses 3 through... Uh, six were gifts from God. You see that? Now, but if you look at seven through 12, who are these gifts from? Look, it's from Jesus. Now, we're going to continue in verses 13 and 14, and these are the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to look at verse 13, a gift from the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, And now, you Gentiles, 
have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified as your own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which whom he promised long ago. God has sealed you. Maybe you've heard that word before, sealed. You and me and Mara sharing, as I was sharing with the praises, we've uh, done a lot of paperwork with the government lately. And all the different forms you do, there always has to be that stamp on there, that seal, right? And then they got to sign it. And usually when you, you know, I just got my one form done for immigration the other day, and finally I got the official to stamp it and sign it. His seal was placed on that form. That meant he had taken claim of that. He had approved it, right? So he had that seal. Now, just as we have seals today or stamps today, when we come to faith, when we come to believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are born again, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit as belonging to God. Think about that. This is God's stamp upon us that we belong to God. It's his seal. This is our security, our protection, that we are safe eternally in Christ Jesus. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit now abides in us forever. Think about that. As we look at this last verse, verse 14, let's read that, verse 14. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us inheritance. He promised that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. We are redeemed as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We are sanctified to make us more like Jesus. Now, it could be said, this Holy Spirit, I was reading a commentary, and I liked this analogy he used. And it's not just an analogy. If you look up some of the definition of the words here, it's actually true. The Holy Spirit is like an engagement ring between us and God. An engagement ring is something that we can all relate to, right? You remember, what does it mean? It means it's a promise, right? It's a promise that you're making to that other person, that you will be kept for that other person. One of the commentaries said it this way. Jesus is the bridegroom, and his church is the bride. We know that he will come and claim his bride because he has given us his promise and his spirit as the engagement ring. What greater assurance could we have? than that. Now, as we close, we're going to take communion today, and I would like someone to get to go ahead and grab all the children, and someone could jump up there, anyone? Grab some children. Pina, Posa, go to each classroom, grab the kids. Now, we, as we close and wind down here, we can pass out the elements, please, as the kids come out. We must not forget the reason for these blessings, as we've seen in verse 14, but what do we give God glory for? Right? That's what this whole thing was. This whole theme was. It was give God the glory. Praise God, right? But what do you give God glory for? I want to ask each one of you. Do you give, when we pray and we give thanks, we do this every day in my family, and hopefully it will be glorifying to God, but do we give praise? I heard some today. We give praise in prayer records. We give praise for health, right? We're to, everyone is doing better, right? feeling healthier. So we give praise. We give glory to God for that. Maybe some of us would give uh, praise to God for our children, right? Maybe some of us would even think, give praise to God for the job that we have. Or maybe we would think of our families, right? We would think how we would give praise to God for the family we've been blessed with. Or maybe our church. Or maybe we give praise to God for the opportunity for education for us or for our family. Maybe 
we would think and say, Lord, I thank you for providing financially for us. That's good, right? Maybe it's something else. What do you glorify God? How do you glorify God? How do you praise God? All these things I just mentioned are good things, right? They're not bad things. We give God glory for all these things. But I think we need to start this new year, this 2020, thinking a little more than physical. I think we need, as Ephesians here, you notice that Paul, as he's given glory to God, all glory to God, everything he mentioned was spiritual in nature. There was no physical things he was saying to give. It's not that we can't. We can. They're good things. But I think we need to focus more on the spiritual matters than the physical. Now, maybe, as we were talking about earlier about the questions, right? I asked you lots of questions. Uh, What is God's will for your life? Maybe some of you asking that. You know, God, what plans do you have for me? What's next in 2020? What do you have for me? What are we going to do? That's not a bad question. Or maybe you're saying, Lord, I'm doing this now. This is the work I'm doing. Is this what you would have for me? Is this your will for me? Or do you have something else? Uh, Maybe, again, you're asking, Lord, I, I... I see different giftings, or maybe I should go down a different path, Lord. What, what do you want for me? You know, as I ask these questions myself, I wonder sometimes, Lord, is this still where you want me? Or do you want me to go some other direction? As I think about what God would have for each one of us, what, he would, what his will would be for your life, I think you have to go back and look at this scripture here as we're studying in Ephesians. And we need to start with giving glory to God. We need to start by looking and saying, thank you, Lord. I praise you. I give you glory for all these spiritual blessings. Open up there in Ephesians. Thank you. Look at this. I believe that if we will give God glory each day, just look through there. Look through them. We should all praise to God. It starts right there. And we're going to praise God for every spiritual blessing. But he gives us a list. Look in verse 4. We see how God loves us. You see that? We should be given God glory each and every day for that. We should be given God glory for choosing us. Do you see that? We should be given God glory for making us holy without fault in his own eyes. We should be given God glory each and every day for pouring out grace upon us. Each and every day, we should be thanking God Giving him glory for paying the price for our sins through Jesus Christ. We should each and every day be given God glory for giving us wisdom and understanding, for giving us purpose, for showing each one of us the plan of salvation, to reveal that to each one of us. We should be praising the Lord each and every day for that and thanking him. We should be praising him and giving him glory for uniting us with Christ. We should be praising him and worshiping him for giving us an inheritance. We should be praising and worshiping him for that gift of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. As we start 2020, how do you glorify God in your life? How do you praise God? Again, these physical things are not bad things. But I think our focus too often is there. And we, Paul takes us through this letter in Ephesians right to the things spiritually that we need to look at. The things that we need to glorify God. I told you earlier I would tell you my New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution for 2020 is to give God glory each and every day for the spiritual blessings that I have received. And as I studied this and looked at this, I realized I really need to do this. Because so often I say, thank you, God, for all these provisions you've given me. 
but I forget about the spiritual things. So let's make that. I believe if we look at that, I believe the answer, if we are walking in God's will or what God would have for us, the answer to many of these questions is inside of giving glory to God for the spiritual blessings. If that will be our focus, God's will will be revealed to each one of us. and We will know the answers to that if we are focused on our spiritual blessings. Now, as I looked at this and I studied Ephesians here, one of the interesting things I did find out, it's just very interesting. If you look at uh, verse 1, you see it says, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus. You see that? Now, I read in many of the early transcripts that we have available to us that Ephesus is actually not in there. It's actually blank. And if you know and you've studied Ephesians, you know it's a very unique letter. It's not like the other letters Paul wrote. Most of the other letters are, you know, they're to correct some kind of behavior, to address something that's going on within the body or the people, right? Or maybe an encouragement. But usually, in this case, the earliest transcripts show that this letter actually had a blank spot. It's interesting. And I don't, I wouldn't call it, you know, it's not in my canon of the Bible saying this, but it's believed that this letter was written as a kind of a copy letter that Paul could place anyone's name in and then give it to them. We have the copy to the Ephesians available to us. But this letter could apply to anyone. So look at that. You see that blank line. What can we insert in there? How about Yangon? Can we put that in there? This letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be the apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Yangon who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. You all right with that? I think, though, we can continue, and we're going to do that. Let's not just insert, because this letter is written to all of us, God's holy people, right? I think this is a very personal letter talking about how we need to be praising God and giving God worship for all these blessings. And I think it's not, this needs to be very personal. So if you look at it, just look at verse 3. All praising God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed Aaron, you can put your name in there, right? With every spiritual blessing. When you read it that way, I think it takes a new life. It's not us. This is very personal, God's relationship for each one of us. I think our New Year's resolution should be to glorify God with our lives. And we do that by acknowledging and praising Him for what He has done. And we see a list here of what He has done. The list is not complete. There is more. But Paul gave us a good start, I think, for sure. We're going to take communion today. Everyone should have the elements. And... I want to do something. We're going to read. This is why I wanted to make sure everyone has a New Living Translation because we're going to read this passage together. And we're going to read it out loud. And as we read it, we will close with communion. But I want to start this new year not only with taking communion, and you know, because communion is observing, taking the elements and observing what Christ has done, what he has promised us, and who we are in Christ. And here, these spiritual blessings reflect this. So I would like to take a minute, and I'd like all of us to read together as a fellowship. But I want you, as you read through this together, I want you to think of this letter to you, personally. Everyone got your Bibles? New Living Translation. That way we can all be on the same one. I know maybe people have different selections, and that's great. That's fine, but so we can read together, and we'll stick with the same one. Everybody ready? 
I'm going to read out loud. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Yangon, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you, me, grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me, Aaron, put your name in there, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we, Aaron, are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved and chose Aaron in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt Aaron into his own family. And by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the gracious grace he has poured out on Gaunzan, who belonged to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he poured out our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our forgave Solomon's sins. Keep going. There's a little messy there, but that's all right. I, I hope you could gather the point to insert your own name, your own community, your own family within that text, right? Because these spiritual blessings, it's not talking about some distant relationship. It's not talking about some distant blessing of someone else. This is talking about you and God and the spiritual blessings that he's already given each one of us, right? These aren't things that you have to work towards or hope to get. These are blessings that are already done and given to you. And so it's not that we need to claim that's a strange gospel, the, the claim. It's simply to accept the love of Jesus Christ and the blessings that he has for each one of us. That's all it is. Just say, Lord, I'm here. I accept who you are and I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. And so as we, I want to pray. And as we begin this new year, 2020, I want to begin it with a new vision. Right? A 2020 vision. I want to begin it with us thinking of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. So I want to take a minute, and we are just going to take the elements together. Um, we will just partake, and we will close. And if the worship team could head up right now, I would appreciate it. And I will pray. But as I pray, I want people, I want you to speak up and speak out to the Lord the spiritual blessing that you are grateful for, and that you will glorify and praise God for. So as a worship team, heads up, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we are so blessed just to look forward to a new year, Lord. Lord, as we start to look forward to this new year, Lord, we want to start this year, Lord, with glorifying you, Lord. We want to start this new year with looking towards the things that you would have for each one of us, Lord. But Lord, we want to just take the time, Lord, just to acknowledge these blessings that you've given us, Lord. So, Lord, let this new year be a year that we would come before you each day, Lord, and give you glory and give you praise and give you thanks, Lord. Lord, we just want to glorify you. We thank you for loving us, Lord, when we were unlovable. We thank you for choosing us, Lord, when we were choosing other paths. We thank you for making us holy when we were unrighteous. We thank you, Lord, for adopting us into your family, Lord, when we were walking a different way. We thank you, Lord, for pouring your grace upon us, Lord, when we were still sinners. We thank you, Lord, for paying the price for our sins through your Son, Christ Jesus, Lord.
We thank you, Lord. We praise you and we glorify you for revealing your plan of salvation and giving each one of us that, Lord, and let us know how we can join you in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for giving us purpose. We thank you, Lord, for showing us your plan for each one of us. We thank you, Lord, for uniting us with Christ, Lord. We thank you for this inheritance that you've given each one of us, Lord. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your Holy Spirit, our helper, Lord. Lord, as we are going to take communion, as we begin this new year, my fourth year, New Year's here in Myanmar, Lord, I just pray that me and my family, Lord, it would be all for your glory, Lord. And it would be for the glory of the spiritual blessings that you've given us, Lord. It wouldn't be about physical things, Lord, although you've blessed us there also, Lord. Our focus would be spiritually, Lord. Lord, I just pray as we gather today as just a, gr- a group, a fellowship of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that each one of us would just take a minute, Lord, and just speak out to you a spiritual blessing that you've given us, Lord. So, Lord, I just I ask you to hear from us now, Lord, and as each one of us would just say something that we're grateful for, that we would praise you for as far as a spiritual blessing. Amen.